please turn in your copies of God's Word to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And last week we looked at Paul's call to the believers at Philippi to strive for unity and display humility. Our text this morning continues this thought as Paul moves from the general call to now the example of Christ. So hear now the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let us ask His blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Word that You have given to us. And we thank You that when You call us to duty, You do not leave us to our own devices to determine how to do these things, but that You give us an example. And here, that example in how to uh, display humility is found in none other than Christ Jesus Himself. And so we thank You for this example in this Word that You have given us. Lord, we uh, pray that Your blessing would be upon this uh, Word. That as it was read, You would bless the reading of it. That the Word would go forth and not return void. Lord, we ask that You would give us ears to hear so that we may rightly hear this Word given to us. And Lord, as we approach this preaching of the Word, we ask that Your blessing would be upon the Word preached and upon the One preaching. Lord, we ask that the preaching of this Word would not be in the wisdom and enticement of man, but in uh, the strength and demonstration of the Spirit who works in Your servant. Lord, we ask that You would feed us today from Your Word. That You would encourage us 
through the example of Christ Jesus. So bless our time now as we approach this proclamation. We ask this in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. When we left off last time, Paul exhorted the saints at Philippi to display humility one to another. There was the call to put aside selfishness, all pride, all personal ambition, and to put others first. This is probably one of the things that all believers, whether in first century Philippi or 21st century America, it's probably something that we all struggle with. We naturally are self-gratifying, self-pleasing, self-focused creatures. It's a radical shift from what is natural in us to put the self aside and to see to the needs of others. Nothing within our natural selves looks to be brought low in order that others would be lifted up. In fact, society tells us the opposite should be true. There's this saying that we hear often, nice guys finish last. That's what our world thinks of those who are soft-spoken, who are willing to be humbled, to be brought low, willing to put others ahead of themselves. The notion is that You will never attain anything in this life so long as you do not put yourself first, that you do not look to the interests of yourself uh, first and foremost. The implication is that you must do whatever it takes in order to benefit yourself. What's interesting is that several years ago there was a research group that did a a study and they wanted to see if, if nice guys finish last. They wanted to see if that's a true saying and they did it by looking at different work environments. And what they found is that overall those who are assertive, those who... Uh, took on more aggressive work tactics. Those who looked out for the good of themselves instead of others, the study found out that they actually did finish first. That they were paid higher than the nice guys. The study showed that the world, and particularly the workplace, values ambition over humility. And yet we're told in Scripture that we're to be humble, 
that we're to be made low, that we're to esteem others better than ourselves. These pressures, these external pressures that are felt in your job or in your school, as well as the internal pressures uh, that's found within your own sinful flesh, these pressures, they make it incredibly difficult to truly live a humble life. We need help. We need a pattern. We need an example to look to in order to do this. And Paul understood this. And so he continues his teaching on Christian humility by giving believers that example which is needed. In verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He's saying, imitate Christ. Christ Jesus is the example of true humility which you are to look to. Paul sets before these believers this perfect example in Christ Jesus. And friends, this perfect example of Christ Jesus is set before you as well. Brothers and sisters, meditate upon the humiliation and the exaltation of Christ who is your Lord and Savior. It is in Him that you will find true humility. It is in Him that you will see what true humility is. And it is in Him that you will be empowered to display true godly Christian humility. And so we'll take up His example, the example of Christ, by considering three headings this morning. First, the humiliation of Christ. Next, the exaltation of Christ. And then lastly, the worship due Christ. So first, let us meditate upon the humiliation of Christ. And this is found in verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In order to rightly understand Christ's humiliation, his being brought low, you must first understand his original position. You have to understand the heights which he had uh, possessed in order to understand the depths that he brought himself, himself to. This is the second person of the Godhead. 
This isn't some mere man that we're considering. This is God Himself. Prior to Christ's incarnation, He existed in a state of inconceivable glory and bliss. He had a glory with the Father before the worlds were made. He was in the bosom of the Father from all eternity. He was the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of His person. He had everything because He was the Creator of everything. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul speaks of the loftiness of Christ in His pre-incarnate state. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. This is the Lord of glory. This is the eternally begotten Son. This is the Alpha and the Omega, the angel of the Lord. He is the great I Am. Paul does not mince words here when it comes to uh, speaking to the divine nature of Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God because that's precisely what He is. That is who He is. He is God. Equal with the Father and the Spirit in power and in glory. Christ before the creation of the world was in the form of God because from the beginning, He, and his, he had His glory with the Father. As he says in John chapter six, chapter seventeen, in verse five, it, it was not robbery for Christ to uh, be equal with God, because he wasn't stealing anything from God. He already possessed the equality that God has within His Godhead. Christ Jesus is God. And this is the height of where Christ is in His pre-incarnate state. He is in the bosom of the Father with the glories of heaven. And yet, He voluntarily gave up the wonders and the glories of heaven in order to take upon Himself the rags of human flesh. He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was made in the likeness of men and found in, the fa- in fashion as a man. He was really and truly man. He took part in flesh and blood. He appeared in the nature and habit of man and He voluntarily assumed 
that human nature. It was his own act. It was his decision. It was by his own consent. The Father decreed that the Son should come and enter into this scene of history and to uh, take on all that we know would come with that. Christ took on all of the emotional, physiological, psychological, spiritual suffering that would come with taking on a human flesh, taking on human nature. And He did all of that knowing that it was integral to His work as Redeemer, as the sin-bearer. And He did it voluntarily. He voluntarily laid aside all of the things that He had in order to take on this human nature. He did not clutch at His divinity, at His deity, as though He were afraid of losing it, but instead in meekness, He made Himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men. What a great act of humility this was. To set aside for a time the riches of heaven to enter into the poverty of this world. But the lowest step of his humiliation was not simply taking on human flesh, taking upon himself a reasonable soul. No, the lowest step of his humiliation was his dying the death of the cross. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He not only suffered, but was but he was actually and voluntarily obedient. It wasn't as though the Romans were imposing crucifixion upon him. No, no one took his life, but he laid it down of his own accord. He obeyed the law which he brought himself under as the mediator and by which he was obliged to die. And he did it voluntarily. What greater, act of, what greater act of humility could there ever be than for the God of this universe to condescend, taking on human flesh and a reasonable soul and dying on behalf of His people? Christ Jesus truly did esteem others higher than Himself when He bore our sins and paid the penalty for those sins by dying the cursed death of the cross. This is the example of humility that you are to follow. You must walk in the same Spirit and in the same steps as the Lord Jesus who humbled Himself uh, to sufferings and death for you. Not only 
to satisfy God's justice and to pay the price for your redemption, but to also set for you an example that you might follow in his steps. David Strain, a pastor in the PCA, writes, He died to deal with sin of the world, to atone for the elect of Adam's race. His death accomplishes what no other could by virtue of the union of of deity and humanity in His one person. But we are to imitate His sacrifice in this regard, just as Jesus gave up His all for the glory and sacrifice uh, for the glory of God and the salvation of sinners and the building of the kingdom, so ought all who follow him. No one who says he knows Jesus Christ as Paul presents him to us here can fail to serve and give and go and suffer and sacrifice for the honor of the Savior's name. You imitate Christ's humility and being willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of His people, His church, His kingdom, and His glory. That's what it means to imitate Christ. That's what it means to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Friends, you must meditate upon the humiliation of Christ. And though Christ was brought low, even to the lowest estate possible, yet He did not remain in that humble state. The Father did not leave Christ to a constant state of humiliation as the papists display in their blasphemous bloody crucifixes. No, Christ was brought low. But once His humiliation had accomplished its purpose, the Father lifted Him up and exalted Him above all else. And so this leads us now to meditate upon the exaltation of Christ. Look with me at verses 9-11. through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here we see that Christ's exaltation bestows upon Him a particular honor which only He can possess. In that honor, He is given a name which is above every name, a title of dignity above all the creatures above men and above angels. And this name, which is above every name, is that divine name, Jehovah, which we know only the divine can possess. There is one Jehovah. And that is our Lord. Charles Simeon says at At Christ's resurrection, He was declared to be the Son of God with power. At His ascension, He led captivity itself captive. 
and surrounded with myriads of holy angels went to take possession of his father's throne. Seated on that, he is elevated above all the works of God's hand, above man, so as to be higher than the kings of the earth, even the king of kings and lord of lords, and above angels also, all the principalities and powers of heaven being made subject to him. He has been elevated to the highest place possible and been given the highest name possible. That is the honor which is bestowed upon Christ in His exaltation. But it is not only honor that is bestowed upon the exalted Christ, but power as well. Every knee must bow to Him. The whole creation must be in subjection to Him. Things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, the inhabitants of heaven and earth, the living and the dead, all are in subjection to King Jesus. At the name of Jesus, not the sound of those syllables, but at the authority of Jesus, all will bow their knee and pay their homage unto Him. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every nation and language should publicly own the universal empire of the exalted Redeemer. That all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto Him, as Matthew 28.18 tells us. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. It appears as though Paul is quoting from Isaiah 45 and attributing it to Christ in His exalted state. We read in Isaiah 45 and verses 22 and 23, Look unto Me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the world is gone out from the word has gone out from of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear Here we see that power which is Christ that every knee should bow and every tongue confess and it being tied to God being the savior that He is the Lord. And we see that with Christ. In the name that is above every name, Jehovah. And that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All dominion, all power, all honor, all glory, all praise is given unto Christ Jesus in His exaltation. It's important to note here that that what we are considering, what we see here concerning the exaltation of Christ is not simply the divine person of Christ Jesus. But it is the God-man. 
It is Christ Jesus who has assumed a human nature, who is exalted. Christ did not shed His human nature at His resurrection, but was lifted up as the God-man. The Lord Jesus Christ as God is incapable of elevation. He is already higher than anything else. But as a man, He was raised from the lowest degradation to the highest degree of glory. And that is the state in which He remains to this day. Christ Jesus, the God-man. God and man. The second person of the Trinity taking on human flesh. That is the state that He is in today. A unity of the divine nature and the human nature. Two natures in one. And thanks be to God that Christ Jesus is the God-man. That He does have a nature that is like our own. And that He is able to sympathize with us. That He is the one who intercedes as our mediator before the Father. Dear saints, this exaltation that is in Christ is yours today. It is to those who are humbled that are eventually lifted up. The lofty of this world, those who are sitting in the highest positions of government, uh, those who are in the highest positions of the workplace or society, they will be brought low. It is those who are low And not simply low in terms of the things of this world, but truly brought low through humble submission to Christ Jesus. It is those who will be exalted in the last great day. Christ Jesus Himself said in Matthew 5 and verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we also see in Matthew 20, verse 26, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. There is an exaltation that awaits you if you are in Christ Jesus. And no, you will not be given the name which is above every name. But if you have been united to Him, then you bear that name already because you are His possession. No, you will not be the mediator who rules and reigns over all of creation. But you have been made co-heirs with Christ. And it is to you that the privilege of judging the angels has been given. But friends, this exaltation of the believer which is found in Christ is not simply a future thing that we're to look forward to. It's not simply a future expectation, but it is a present reality. 
If you have been made low, if you have come to Christ in humble submission to Him, then you have been exalted. If you have been crucified with Christ, bearing the shame of the cross in Christ's humiliation, if you have been brought low, if you have been buried with Him, and if you have been raised in His resurrection through being united to Him, then you have been exalted and you are seated in the heavenlies alongside your elder brother Christ Jesus. That is a present reality for you. You are spiritually seated in the heavenlies alongside Christ. And you, friends, have been given every spiritual blessing which is in Christ. And it belongs to you now. It's not simply something future. It is a present reality. What a joy that ought to be to your souls. What a comfort it ought to be in the reality of this fallen world that you live in. That Christ Jesus lifts up those who are brought low. Be humbled and you will be lifted up. Imitate Christ in His humiliation and you will be made a partaker in His exaltation. You must meditate upon the exaltation of Christ. And a proper meditation upon the exaltation and uh, upon the humiliation and exaltation of Christ must lead to one thing. So let us now turn our attention to consider the worship due Christ. We've just read, wherefore God hath also, uh, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of who Christ is, because of what He has done, because of, his because of His humiliation and His exaltation, all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth have a duty, a responsibility, an obligation to bend the knee to King Jesus. To confess with their mouth that He is Lord. All creation owes everything to Christ Jesus. And there is a worship that is due Him. And He will receive it in all things. In things in heaven, in things in earth, in things under the earth. He will receive the worship that is due His name. In heaven we know that all the angels and all the saints who have already passed into glory are constantly offering their praises unto the risen Savior. And we see this in Revelation 4, which gives us a glimpse of what this is like. And the four beasts which had each with them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within 
And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him which sat on the thro- that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, thy, they were and are created. Day and night, those who are in heaven, those who are in the presence of the Lord, offer their praises unto him. Every knee bows in heaven, and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. What of the things of the earth, the creatures in earth? We know uh, of the creatures in earth. We know that there are some who uh, worship the Lord, who who give the worship, render the worship that is due unto Him. But we also know that there are many who do not. Brothers and sisters, you have been given the charge to go unto the world, to go out and to make disciples. You have been given the task to go into the highways and the hedges to send forth the invitation to the feast and to usher in those whom the Lord calls. You have been given the duty to go and evangelize the world, telling them, of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So go forth. Tell tell the world of Christ's wonderful work of redemption and how salvation from sin and misery can only be found in Him. Go and compel them to come. Go. And make other worshipers of Christ. We have the promise that one day the gospel will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. One famous pastor is quoted as saying, Missions exist because worship doesn't. And there's truth to that statement. There will come a time when missions, when evangelism, is no longer uh, a thing when it will cease to exist because the whole earth will be full of the worshipers of Christ Jesus. But that day has not come yet. And so go and fulfill your duty to call all creatures to bow the knee and to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. But these two areas of existence, they they make sense to us. We can we we can easily see in scripture the continuous praise that is offered of those within the presence of Jehovah in heaven. 
We can even wrap our minds around the advancement of the gospel and that one day all the earth will praise His holy name. But what of those things under the earth? This is very clearly speaking of the demons and the unrepentant sinners in hell. How can we say that one day even their knees will bow and tongues will confess that Jesus is Lord? James 2.19 tells us, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But believing and trembling is not the same as bowing the knee and confessing Christ as Lord. No. They currently believe and they tremble. They tremble in fear of Jehovah. But the day will come when even the demons will bend their knee and confess Christ as Lord. And that day has not come yet. That day comes at the end. When the day of judgment comes and Jehovah meets out his penal, the, the penalty that is due those who have rebelled against Him, they will have no choice but to accept defeat. When Christ Jesus comes again in all of His glory, not in the form of a servant, but in the form of a victorious king, there will be no doubt left in the minds of those who have rejected Him. And they will have no choice but to bow their knees and confess with their mouths, with their parched tongues, that King Jesus is the Lord. But at that point, it'll be too late. At that point, it'll be too late for them. Because at that point, bending their knee to King Jesus, confessing with their mouth that He is Lord, will not bring them salvation as it does for us. At that point... It will not bring them salvation, but heap upon them further judgment because they will see what they have failed to see all along. It will not be for their glory. It will not be for their salvation. It will be for the glory of God the Father. Revelation 5 gives us greater insight into this ultimate culmination of praise which will be seen on that last day. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever." And ever. Friends, one day, whether by willful adoration of your Savior 
or by forceful bending of the knee through the use of his iron scepter, one day you will bow the knee before King Jesus and you will confess with your, with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the choice is before you today. Will you bow your knee and confess with your tongue out of humble, willful submission? Or will you take your chances and be numbered among those who are slain as the king comes forth in his day of judgment? Will you be forced to bend the knee and confess? Christ Jesus extends the offering to you today. Come unto Him. Submit unto Him. Humble yourself. And you'll be lifted up. Friends, you must render the worship due Christ. Brothers and sisters, this example has been set before you and this example is a perfect one. One which is to be emulated. One which is to be accepted. Paul's call to believers is to live lives of unity and humility in Christ Jesus. Meditating upon Christ's humiliation. Seeing how He willingly gave up the glories of heaven. Condescending from the greatest height to the lowest low How then can you sit there and be puffed up with pride? Meditating upon His exaltation, seeing how the Father lifted Him up from His lowest estate and bestowed upon Him the great honor and power that is found in His exaltation, the name which is above every name. How then can you Sit there and be content with the low things of this world, knowing that every spiritual blessing has been given to you and it is yours now. Purge yourself of the pride of this life. Remove the contentment for the things of this world and embrace Humility in Christ and embrace the great glorious things which are yours in your union with Him. Meditating upon these things. Seeing the magnificent work of Christ Jesus in purchasing your redemption with His own blood and raising you up with Him, seating you alongside of Him in the heavenlies, how then can you not but render unto Him the worship that is due His name? Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Submit yourselves in worshipful obedience And you will be given the crown of life. 
brothers and sisters, as you live your lives, do so while meditating upon the humiliation and exaltation of Christ Jesus. For he is your Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we do humbly submit ourselves to you. And we ask that you would cause this mind to be in us, which is in Christ Jesus. That we would be humbled. That we would be brought low. That we would esteem others as greater than ourselves, just as Christ Jesus did through his death on the cross. And that you would lift us up. You would exalt us in Christ Jesus. And that we would worship you willingly. That we would offer our praise, our worship, our adoration to you. Lord, we ask that this truth, this example of Christ, would guide us in our lives. Even as we leave from this place and live our lives throughout this next week. Let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.